I remember our downtown when I was a teenager. It was busy, bustling, teeming with people, teeming with cars, people going everywhere to shop, to restaurants. We used to have a cute little restaurant downtown named Jody's Restaurant, had the best breakfast in town. And then a couple department stores, Stage and Olman's. I still remember walking into both of them and, and wanting to buy all the clothes I couldn't afford. Then on the corner, there was a shop called Colonial Menswear, which I really couldn't afford. So I just headed a few doors down to Ben Franklin to buy my baseball cards at a place I could afford. I remember our downtown, but when I came back to Ohio, our downtown was dying. More shops were boarding up and closing down than opening up, and it looked like we were having to bid our downtown farewell. But we are blessed in Mount Vernon with a very benevolent business owner who decided to invest a lot of money into our downtown to revitalize it, give it a facelift. And during that project, one of the colleges was about to unveil a donor wall. And my family and I had bought a few bricks in that wall in memory of some of our family who had passed on. So it was a gesture of their kindness to us for our kindness to them. They invited us to the unveiling of the wall. I had that date circled on my calendar to go to that Monday night event. But on that Monday, my mom's house needed a little plumbing work done. So I loaded up a few tools in my toolbox and headed down to her house. If those pipes had a motherboard and hard drive, I would have fixed them much faster, but they didn't, so I didn't. I knew this wasn't a job for a three-piece suit. I knew this was a job for some old work clothes, so I threw on some jeans and, and scarlet and gray sweatshirt, which those two colors look good every day, and my Buckeyes cap to match. And I went down to Mom's house, and miracle of miracles, I fixed the plumbing with precious minutes to spare. I'm not one of those guys who does everything DIY. I'm more like DI-try. But all the while, I remembered I needed to be at the unveiling of the donor wall at Ariel Hall on Main Street at around 5.30 p.m. So when 5.15 rolled around, I rolled up to the college, still wearing my blue jeans, scarlet and gray sweatshirt, and Buckeyes cap to match. And that's when I realized I'm in trouble. <laughs> A good day to you, Simplify listeners. You're listening to L.J. Harry, and you're listening to The Right Response to Grace on Simplify. For months, I had known about the event, but never once thought about the dress code. All day as I was thinking about it, and even driving toward the event, I never thought about the dress code. But when I watched the guests walk in wearing evening wear, I realized I was grossly underdressed. I wanted to get back in my car, head home, and drown my sorrows in Rocky Road, but I had been spotted. One of the donors knew I was a pastor in town, and they knew this guy has at least one suit and matching tie, right? Here they were, elegantly dressed, to honor the generosity of donors. And here I was in blue jeans, scarlet and gray sweatshirt, and Buckeyes cap to match. And then I saw the photographer standing there ready to push that little button to record a picture that would last for eternity. And each time he came near me, I ducked behind punch glasses and drinking straws because I didn't want to end up on the front page, surrounded by evening gowns and tuxes while I was wearing my blue jeans, scarlet and gray sweatshirt, and Buckeyes cap to match. I looked as out of place as the wedding guest in Matthew 22. Jesus told a story where the king's son was getting married and the king was beside himself with joy. The honored guest who should have been honored to be invited just turned the invitations down one by one. Now the king was beside himself with anger. But then he had a good idea. 
He told the servants to go and invite as many as they could find. Comb the countryside, shake the bushes, empty the highways, fill my house. I, I want my son's reception to be big. So they ran out. They found everyone they could find. They found the poor, the lame, the blind. They invited every one of them, and they came. Now his house was teeming with guests, not one empty seat in the house. But somebody caught his eye. Somebody stood out like a palm tree in Minnesota. He was wearing his Monday go-to-plumbing clothes, not his Sunday go-to-meeting clothes. But he came. He came when he saw the menu and he realized the filet mignon at the feast was going to be a lot better than his fish filet at home. But there was hope. Even though he came to the wedding feast wearing rags, there were robes. The king knew everybody wasn't going to come straight from a dressing room. Some were going to come straight from work right to the wedding. They wouldn't be able to change their clothes on the way, so he provided robes at the door so they could exchange filthy rags for a white robe at the door. That was the host's gracious gift. When he came to the door, the servants were sizing up the guest. All right, let me see here. You're, you're probably a medium. All right, how about you? you know, you're, you're, <laughs> you're definitely a little more. And then the servants extended a robe to him. If he accepts it, his filthiness is forgotten. The photographer can take as many photos as he wants and he won't be embarrassed. But he refused. He decided he would rather sit in the presence of his king, attired in his own filthy Monday go-to-work clothes rather than the robe his gracious host was offering. Jesus didn't tell this story because he was giving a dress code to come to church. If the best you have to go to church is a three-piece suit, wear a three-piece suit. If it's bib overalls, wear your bibs. We are going to be in the presence of our king, and we want to be dressed in such a way that shows we honor him and respect him. But this is not about what we wear when we come to church. This story Jesus told is about how we respond when God shows us grace. If you remember what it was like the first time you felt the grace of God, how unworthy, how unfit you felt, like blue jeans among tuxedos, and then how overwhelmed you felt when you heard he was offering his precious blood to cover your filthy sin and wondered, what, 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 what do I have to do? And he extended his robe of righteousness to you and said, here, put this on. If you've never experienced the grace of God in that measure, let me tell you what to expect. It says if God meets you and all you have to offer are blue jeans, a scarlet and gray sweatshirt, and a Buckeye's cap to match. But when you repent of your sins and you're baptized in that lovely name of Jesus, the Apostle Paul says you've put on Christ as if putting on a garment. God reaches into his wardrobe, finds a beautiful white, fine linen, clean robe, hands it to you and says, here, put this on. I know you've got more excuses than a middle school yearbook has pimples. But God isn't looking for reasons why you deserve his grace. He's just looking for you to accept his grace. When I arrived at Ariel Hall in my blue jeans, scarlet and gray sweatshirt, and Buckeye's cap to match, I would have given near anything for a suit and tie. But there was no suit and tie vendor at the door. I still had to wear what I came wearing. What's puzzling about this parable is why didn't the guest accept the host's grace? Oh, when the king came through, he wanted to find out, and he was shaking his guest's hands. He, he couldn't help but notice that one guest who just didn't belong. He passed by all the others who did, made a beeline for the one who didn't. When he got there, hear the grace and kindness in his words. He put his hand on his guest's shoulder, tilted his head, and asked, 
friend, why, why are you here without a wedding garment? The king just knew there had to be a reason. Maybe all the wedding garments were at the cleaners and they ran out of garments at the door. Or maybe they didn't have his size. The king was just sure there had to be a reason. He was ready to hear it. Surely nobody would be so proud, so stubborn as to come into the presence of the king as if they deserved to be there with his hand still on the guest's shoulder. He readied himself for the reason, but no reason came. Scripture records the guest was speechless. There was no reason. There was no excuse. He was offered grace, and he willingly, stubbornly turned it down. That's when the trumpets give way to the steel guitars, and the king says, get him out of here. And the servants pick him up, throw him out. He goes from being in the brightly, beautifully lit wedding feast to pitch black back alley, all because he just refused to accept his host's gracious gift of grace. One day we will stand before God. We will stand before the king of kings and give account for how we treated his gracious gift of grace. And on that day, excuses will be like grains of sand. There'll be so many, but every one of them will be worthless. Maybe you don't feel like you're worthy. Maybe you felt like you're too evil. Maybe you feel like you're too insignificant. Maybe you're mad at God. Maybe you're disappointed, disillusioned with God. Maybe you don't believe in God. On that day, it's not about whether you feel worthy. It's not about worth. It's about grace. So go to the altar. Kneel beside your bed. Humble yourself before God and allow his righteousness to cover your sinfulness. Take a lesson from a guy who should have been, could have been, much better dressed for the occasion. The only right response to grace is yes. I'd like us to pray and ask the Lord to help us to respond to his grace. God, I thank you today for your goodness. I thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness to us. Thank you especially for your grace. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for this beautiful message that you died, gave your life so we could live. I pray help me, help everyone listening to respond to your grace today. If they have never experienced the grace of God to cover their sin, I pray, God, help them to respond, help them to say yes to your grace, to your mercy. I pray, Lord, help all of us to live in a way prepared for the coming of the Lord, clothed in your righteousness rather than our sinfulness. I thank you for your goodness, your grace, and I pray help me and all of us to say yes when you offer grace. I love you, Jesus. Bless your name. We worship and praise you, Lord. In Jesus' precious, gracious, wonderful name, amen. God is so good. He is so abundantly gracious. Thank you for tuning in to Simplify. I hope this devotion has been a help to you, and I hope, I surely hope, you respond rightly to the grace of God by simply saying, yes, God, whatever you want to do in my life, you can do it. Thank you again for joining me. If you would like a copy of the devotional Simplify, from which this podcast was launched, you can pick that up at pentecostalpublishing.com. It's available in print or Kindle. Also, I have a new book coming out called 10 Words, A Practical Look at the Ten Commandments. And I'm looking forward to that being published. That should be out here in a couple of months or so. And it will be available also at PentecostalPublishing.com and also on Amazon. And if you're looking for another podcast to enjoy, a dear friend of mine, Lieutenant Andy Burns, and I share a podcast called The Preacher and the Policeman. 
in which we share some funny stories, some current events, mix in the gospel, and add a heaping helping of humor. So if you will enjoy that podcast, find it on your favorite podcast platforms. It's called The Preacher and the Policeman. Next week, I want to share with you a devotion called We Fall Down. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you. And always look forward to walking closer with Jesus as we walk through Simplify.